Welcome to the 5 Foot Podcast. I am your host, Shane Hazen. Coming up this week, we are discussing the Beatles' rival documentaries from the same footage, Let It Be, from director Michael Lindsay Hogg and Peter Jackson's Get Back, recently released on Disney Plus in three mammoth parts. And I'm once again joined by Ted Agraff. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't any Hobbits showing up in the trilogy. Or, well, vice versa. Beatles uh, may have shown up in some Lord of the Rings at some <laughs> point. Yeah, apparently Jackson was like trying to get stories from them about how it exactly happened. But uh, first off, Ted, what did you watch for this week? Anything interesting? Well, uh, yeah, you wanted me to talk about, I just got... You just saw Cool Spring. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, or uh, I wanted to hear your reaction to all uh, that. DCP of uh, Do the Right Thing. Uh, yeah, that, that opening credit sequence with uh, Rosie dancing is kind of like... It's kind of in your face. It's, uh, I, it's I, pretty... I, I've said this before. I saw it at the Paramount maybe like 2015, and I forgot. Spike Lee, whatever deficiencies you have from him, whatever problems, sometimes it's inconsistencies you have as a filmmaker, the one thing he is amazing at is his title sequences, and that is, from my money, the greatest title sequence in film history. Really? Okay. I, I, I went a through a thing. Try, statement. I was trying to figure what are it's what is like the alternates. Is like Star Wars title sequence? Like, is that a title sequence? What is what is the bold title sequence that doesn't count or that? I mean, well, now you I got Psycho. Uh, uh, that's pretty, it's North by Northwest. North by Northwest. Uh, I mean, uh, and and then the the criteria needs to be sharp. And are we talking about um, design title sequences, uh, isolated ones? Like Panic Room's got a really cool one. A blowout. Uh, uh, blowout, yeah. really? The, the, the yeah, yeah. The, the, the audio the, gauge. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no comedy. We, I mean, this is a whole podcast. You're, you're going it down is. a rabbit hole here. It is. Uh, um, but uh, no, I. Of course, the uh, the guy getting choked at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Right? How the, how the room react? You saw it at a university. How that react? Oh, uh, it was interesting. Hardly anybody. Uh, only two or three of the students knew who Spike Lee was, and then hardly any of them saw the movie. I didn't see the movie. Had uh, seen the movie, had not, or had not. So wait, they had seen the movie. Had or? not. Okay. Nineteen eighty nine. It's pretty yeah. old now. No, I get that. But what's amazing is nineteen eighty nine. But how did the students react? I I didn't really hear a reaction. They're all spread apart. Not that big a class. I mean, the 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 the, the uh, okay. attendance is not that huge. So I didn't okay. hear any. I heard a guy behind me kind of uh, getting you know having uh, the humorous parts. He was getting into, but I got pretty quiet. I guess I could, I could say it was very quiet at the end, especially when you just you're watching that. And I'm just like, we just saw this happen, you know, in Minneapolis, right? Not that long ago. It's just like, holy crap! It, it, it was especially when all the stuff was happening last summer. Yeah, it was so. This this movie is timeless and prescient. Um, I went to the Bell Court this weekend in Nashville and saw uh, the Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, which I'm not. I've never. I've had trouble with Jane Campion in the past, and it's got. It's got, It's a five part structure, and uh, there's something that happens at the fourth part that like made everything clear. Um, so it's one of the be- better Jane Campions I've seen. But the movie I blew, I love is Come On, Come On. I always started realizing Mike Mills is probably one of my favorite working filmmakers. Name some of his other films. Beginners, um, uh, Twenty Century Women, um, uh, Thumbsucker is one. Is that one of his? Um, but the one movie of his a few years ago that I blows my mind, and I'm surprised no one talks about. It. To be fair, it's not a feature; it's a short. But when the National put out their album, I Am Easy to Find, he did a forty-minute short with it in conjunction with the album with the National that is one of the best pieces of filmmaking I've seen in this last decade. I have seen that every time 
I am reduced to tears every single time. And I've seen that thing like 10 times by this time. Every single time I'm puddle. And uh, the two of the uh, Aaron and Bryce da uh, Dresser from The National did the music for Come On, Come On too. On top of being Joaquin Phoenix, gorgeous black and white photography of cities, uh, great, great child performance in it. Uh, it's one of my favorites of the year. Cool. Speaking of other favorites of the year, are we ready to talk the Beatles? Well, first of all, I didn't know. I uh, Did you guys... Well, I should also mention we are joined by Aaron Smith, oh, yeah. our resident yeah. Beatlesologist. Kind of yeah, he's sitting right here. We had, you know. Well, he didn't have a movie you wanted to talk about this week, <laughs> I positively. Didn't. I didn't. I, I will talk about Do the Right Thing. Okay. Let okay. me ask you this, Ted. Yes. Uh, did Mookie do the right thing? Oh. Uh, well, I tell you what. I, that's interesting you brought that up because I remember... I may be, you know, I, uh, I may be damned uh, speaking want, too honestly or whatever. Do you want to say this in a recorded format, Ted? You can pass. Uh, no, but I'm just, no. I, but I remember I was I was really kind of baffled and mixed about the trash can throw. My first viewing, I totally was. And oh, then, totally. Now that I watched again with all these years past, I, 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 I think it plays better for me now. I had the exact same reaction. I mean, my first time I remember being kind of annoyed by it. it's like, well, he vandalized the store that he worked at, right. and then he fought the guy after. Or him and the Danny the Aiello last scene was so contentious. Yes, but the years that have passed, it seems a little more two sided. Yeah, it it, 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 I, I think I had a better because you know when you see a, when you see a film with this much going on in it, and your first and you, you're taking in, you want to get the narrative in, you want to get that, you know, you're, you're taking in so much. And that you don't get to uh, digest your thoughts as well the first showing on on a film that's complicated at in, in its own way. So by seeing it again, you can relax with the narrative, relax with the characters, and you can think about the themes and what's going on in subtexts. And I think it, and I, I could pick up some things that I don't think I really picked up on the first time around because I was just so busy taking it in for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's one of those films. That it is a is a required second third viewing, you know. Yeah. Type film. I, I had a different re I had different reactions every time with Radio Raheem, where I think the yeah. first time I saw him, I was like, "Don't resist the police," and then now mm -hmm. it's just like, "Yeah, like, yeah." I but, just thought Radio Raheem was occasionally obnoxious, and so yeah. But uh, you know, when that happens, and you know, when I saw it the first time, I kind of had that same situation, and then I saw Spike Lee in so many interviews say only white people ask that question. Yeah. You know, I had to think about, you know, why was I asking that myself that question? Well, I saw it before last summer, the, where I changed my mind. It was, but it was after Eric Garner and uh, I can't breathe. Ooh. That was where like, Oh, this is literally an, I can't breathe situation. Do and you think that that's why they decided to, they decided to bring this in for that screening? Uh, well, Eric, he, it's for, it was for a classroom. And I think I, uh, probably I'm sure Eric's, it was on Eric's mind when he booked it, but he was. Uh, he goes. This is a Speed Racer. Can you open up the semester with Speed Racer? And he was. Uh, uh, he he wanted. He had. He had. He did an interesting. He did a really interesting, insightful intro for these kids that had. Most of the kids had not seen the film. Uh, most of the kids had not seen the film, and um, the majority of the kids didn't even know who Spike Lee was or is. So it was. It was interesting. But I. Um, yeah, I'm sure that was on Eric's mind. But I think I also just. Uh, he, he he always ends the semester with thought provoking films to make the kids pick up subtexts and think about uh, and not just be uh, a glossy entertainment.
let's go on. Let's move on to the Beatles. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I want to read this introduction. Uh, I, Ted. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about Let It Be. Mm -hmm. uh, so did you guys, who we visited Let It Be? I, I did. did. I, I did. did not. Did you watch it again? Oh, I'm glad we're doing a podcast on uh, this. I mean, I know. Well, this is interesting because I think we can get down through a lot of different, you know, side avenues here. And. So it's, you know, you our did relationship with the Beatles probably is different changes and and definitely flavors our opinion of both films. And I I know how Ted feels because obviously he's older and he grew up with them. He bought the albums as they came out. Mm -hmm. And I know my relationship with the band. I'm curious what your relationship with the band is. Is it are they important to you before this? Before I mean, this I mean, get back. Me why are you a Beatle fan? How did you become a Beatles fan? Well, the funny thing is, my no one in my family is a Beatles fan to this day. None, like I try to get my brother's side of the family. What are they fans of? Or are they just casual music listeners? No, they're more than casual. But I mean, like when we were kids, uh, Journey and Foreigner were in the tape deck. Um, and uh, my mom liked the Beatles, but she liked the Beatles before Revolver. So I had friends in high school who were kind of getting to me, so getting me into it, and I was album by album and patchy, but. I really started when I first started getting into headphone rock in my teen years. Then I started really going into Sgt. Pepper and like, and the White Album was my favorite. But uh, when I started, re I read about Let It Be and Abbey Road before I listened to the albums and reading the story behind all this made, we'll get to this in a second. Um, I want to start out with this, Ted, in 2013 for Christmas, you bought me the copy of Mark Lewison's all in yes uh, or, or, or tune in all these years um which is his first volume of his epic <laughs> yeah. three volume thing which i looked it up by the way he said maybe next year volume two might come out but it seems like he says it takes 10 years to write these things we're talking this book is 900 pages small font um there's even a there's even a longer version of that book uh, out there that you could buy really yes what else is in he, it? He edited it down. He says that you can read that. You, you can enjoy this book without that. But it's I have I I went ahead and pulled the trigger and got one. But I haven't started back into it again. This is like uh I, I would compare it to Robert Caro's books on Lyndon Johnson, where it was just like he needed an indulgence to have this link. But I'm like a hundred and forty pages in, and John and Paul are just meeting for the first time. Like, well, I think it's the first book where they we talk about the grandparents, uh, the, the four. It is fascinating going back to their the, the lineage, going back pretty far. But I wanted to read his introduction. Yeah, oh, quote. the intro is the most fantastic. Well, no, no, I mean, I'm doing the, the very, very, very intro. This, 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 it's a great distillation of the Beatles about how he talks about the Beatles and just says in in italics how, and the questions are how the Beatles repeatedly married cutting edge originality with immense mainstream popularity, when for almost anyone else these are mutually exclusive, and how and why they ditched their winning ideas every time the world raced to copy them. How they did everything with down-to-earth humor, honesty, optimism, style, charisma, irreverence, intelligence, and a particularly spiky disdain for falseness. How they were articulate, bold, curious, instinctive, challenging, blunt, sharp, polite, rude, perkers of pomposity, rule-breakers never cowed by convention, how they created and sustained connection to their public and how they resisted branding, commercial sponsorship, and corporate affiliation and hype. The Beatles were free of artifice and weren't the product of market research or focus groups or TV talent shows. They were original and developed organically when everyone else was looking the other way. Well, that's, like I said, I love that book. Uh, 
I'm looking forward to finally uh, finishing the last 800 pages of it. I was going to touch you go to read the point, the, the first part where they, you, and I think it opens up with Paul and John sitting head to head. Yeah. And to me, it's like, oh my gosh, that's that's ground zero for our era, for our pop well, culture. When I op- these two guys facing each other, writing songs. When I opened it up, I found this really nice card from 2013 Christmas. You know, you you have a tendency to caricature yourself in some of these cards that you give to people, and you drew yourself with a Beatles mop. <laughs> but you said exactly that in the card. You're like, this introduction is the genesis of a lot of our pop culture. Right. So yeah, and I'm, I'm also thinking now. So you, your age, was it? Did you like just? organically take to the Beatles or did you because of the stuff you were listening to and, and you're like me and Aaron all of us we, we're collectors we're, we're interested in the history we're interested in legacies we like to we like to go back and find the roots of why why who who was inspirational to them so was the Beatles more of a oh I'm finding out about them historically for you and then you did like the music or it was just but it was or were you the I, I'm my question is like the burden of trying to uh, be a serious Beatle fan as as the years go on is it's pretty a big burden because I mean I know a friend of ours a mutual I won't name his name but he's more a Stones guy and he and I keep on going you're going to come to the Beatles you're going to come to him because no but he's I can he's resisted because it's Beatles 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 everywhere you know so did you did you take to it naturally or was it more of a researching finding out about them. it was gradual but it was naturally too okay um you know one movie i'm going to bring up that i hadn't thought about in years until i was looking up michael Lindsay hogg's uh filmography do you guys remember a movie that played on vh1 called two of us that had um uh, aiden quinn and yes. uh, jared harris i remember really liking it and i remember everyone else i know hating it and making fun of me for liking it but that was one and and um, this is going to come up in this episode, but in college I read this book that I'm showing to you guys. It's, uh, it's this classic rock album uh, series, but it's on Abbey Road, Let It Be, and it's by author Peter Doggett. And I remember I read it right before I finally saw Let It Be for the first time, and I was like, wow, they recorded all of this stuff? And then when I finally saw the movie, I realized none, little to none of it is in the actual Let It Be movie. Well, I mean, I, I, I like I said, I, I failed the the prep work here. Uh, uh, well, let me ask you, put this question to you both. Uh, your first reactions to get back the Peter Jackson one. <laughs> I'm astounded. I mean, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, and I'm I'm shocked. I got I wrote down some reactions to some close friends of mine or people I respect, and they were having some problems with it. I just can't. I I. I uh, you can't please some Beatle fans, I guess, but it's just, uh, I don't know what everybody was expecting. I actually was, I guess, my, I guess I was, I was so pleased that it wasn't the whitewash that originally was the, the buzz was going on. That was going to be a whitewash. And after, after watching this, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm so, I'm so happy that Ringo and Paul and, uh, you know, the rest of the uh, widows signed off uh, on this. And uh, I think I was very worried about the whitewash, but, and I think I was a little too preemptively di- judgy of, of it, even while I was watching to appreciate, but I've, I've, I've rewatched a bunch of sequences over had them on the background, but Smith, what was your first reaction? Oh, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the problem that most people are having problems with uh, are the length, obviously. Yeah. And uh, minutia of the work, you know, but that's you know, a part of it. You that's know? interesting that you would say that because that there's uh, 150 hours of audio, 55 hours of video, and you know he still cuts that down to you know seven and a half, eight hours. So it isn't as if 
you know, he didn't leave a lot on the cutting room floor. But the truth is the minutia is what he left out because there's so many outtakes. And um, on the original Let It Be, there used to be a uh, circulating laser disc. That was the only way you could watch it. I watched a, a DVD rip, uh, rip of that, I believe. Well, honestly, we get to that. But there is on the Internet Archive a uh, 35-millimeter restoration. looks great. So if you haven't watched it yet and you want to watch it again, because I know you have well. the laser disc, don't you? Uh, no, but I, no, I had, uh, I, I don't know if I should be seeing this out loud. Uh, but I brought it, I booked it. I was at U of E, uh, the film series, the, uh, union board. And I brought how I won the war and let it be in for a double feature. And you can still rent it from Swank or films incorporated for 16 millimeter. Show let it be. Well, it just, I just happened to go out someplace and made a, a nice little dub off of a film chain straight to VHS. So I, I had my own perfect immaculate. Uh, 60 millimeter copy on a VHS for years. Uh, I was, well, it's still somewhere there, but so I've 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 always had that. But I saw the I should mention just the, just the, for the uh, state the facts. I saw the film at the Victory Theater uh, on its. What, what year was that, Ted? Uh, 1970. I'm old, uh, but it was one of those. Uh, I think it was a birthday party or a bunch of or grab grab all the kids in the station wagon, take them down to the Victory, drop them off. I want to say it was a double feature. And I, and I can believe what the other feature was. Support your local sheriff with James Garner. I'm serious. Because <laughs> they were UA films. And I, I remember that, you know, back, back then they had these really weird double features back then. So we they, the parents dropped us off and they had they, they ended up to deal with us for four, four hours and uh, let it be in support your local sheriff. Well, Ted, you and I have had this conversation a few t- a few episodes back where my my definition of what looks good versus yours, you're just like uh you're like I'm I'm very easygoing. Yeah. And I, and I am I, I'm a big transfer issue. Part of the issue I had with was with a lot of the way to work on the the footage, but at the same time, that objection went away when I finally rewatched my copy of Let It Be. So your internet a uh, 35mm archive, which would have been a 16mm blow up. How good is good looking Smith? Much better, honestly, because I had only seen the um, laser disc rip. That's the one that had been circulating forever, even in collector circles. So I had seen the laser disc rip a couple different times. Very dark. Definitely, uh, the Internet Archive version has been color corrected. Looks so much better. And Do to you be see honest, rain in it? Uh, no, no, it's not. Okay. I mean, it's the beauty of the Peter Jackson film is that it looks immaculate. And I don't know what your reaction was when they first cut to the rooftop, but I was startled how good it looked because I'd seen that in so the many... The studio stuff was the stuff that made me feel like... Um, I mean, so much of what I saw in, in Let It Be and what was shot... I mean, they shot, you know, like you said, 53 hours with a lot of cameras. A lot of those cameras are just soft and out of focus. Oh, sure. And so you digitally, it's really difficult to make something in focus. that It's, it's near impossible. So... The attempt to do it on this is what stood out. So it looked like, I think a lot of people are familiar with color timing and uh, d- digital color timing through their Instagram. This looks like Instagram filters on some of the stuff. A lot of the, it was degrading. Or Ted, you, you've seen a lot of restorations where uh, they get rid of grain and they smooth over that and the circles of confusions and the dots go out. That's what I was seeing. And then you'd see it in outlines. But all that being said, again, when I rewatched Let It Be, I was like, well, they didn't really have a lot to work with. And even a lot of times when I was watching Get Back, it usually would take me like 10, 15 minutes to get into it. And I, I, my objections would go. But when they got uh, into the studio and then when they went to the roof, I think a lot of that footage looked a lot better to, to my eyes. 
some of it was the the foreground people against those like studio colors and it was off and on too there were certain scenes that i think lit correctly looked fine and then literally would cut to the next scene and it would look very grainy and look right poor. and i mean obviously well there's they're, also... they're using 55 hours of footage and they're not choosing simply because how it looks but rather what they've captured and so some of it is going to be off center some of it's going to look poor uh and you know that's the downside of that type of documentary filmmaking is that you just have to take what you've got but i didn't you love every time they would say like this is the take that's on the album Yes, although uh, the book I mentioned earlier that I read in college, one of the cool things it details a lot is what happens after this. So in going to Abbey Road and then what Phil Spector did. And so when I would say the take, I'd be like, yes, this is the take. And it sounds close, but like there's so many different versions of all all these get uh, the Let It Be Get Back songs. So iterations yeah. through the movie. and Yeah. So I mean, your point is you're saying it's not the take. It's the take, but it's yeah. it's like I'm 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 trying to listen to the song and all the like every little uh, piece of uh, um, audio candy coming to me, every little detail of it. And I'm like, okay, but this is still off, or like, oh, they have uh, the the, the outro is back in this one, or it's not in that one, and yeah, eh. yeah, maybe I, I I doth protest too much. Well, I know that's that's weird. I mean, I just I just treated this as a I I treated this as another artistic in, uh, uh, entity. The uh, I mean, I love. Aaron, I like what I mean. I'm glad you brought that up because I loved every episode. They they renamed, they retitled everybody. They uh, they gave you uh, uh, every song and who the writer was in the song. And, yeah, that was cool. And just these little touches. And it was it was really curious. It's really interesting. You know how much do you? Uh, and then some of the intrusions of other clips and stuff. Peter was very. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't too intrusive with that as much as he could have been. Or, you know, or the temptation was there, but he didn't. Uh, it's just the choices he had to make. I couldn't, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Well, let's get, the, make... let's get this out of the way. What is your opinion on the original Let It Be film? Well, that's what I, I, that's what I was curious about, you guys. I just saw somebody on Facebook today, a friend of ours, always going a to musical Facebook. mentor and of mine, and he said, it sucks. And I never thought it sucked. I, don't, I, 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 well, of course, when I was, you know, 1970, I was a kid. That was just a godsend to see that. As a kid in 1970, yeah. I didn't see the negativity. I just saw Beatles singing and performing and working together. And even the, I don't think I even keyed in that George was mad at the time. That oh, oh, exact. Here's the thing. I have the exact same reaction. The thing about the, the Let It Be is it's hard to get, like, I think the first time I, I saw it, I don't even think I even clued in to the, like, I'll, you know, I'll play what you want me to play. Like, I don't play nothing at all. So, <laughs> you always you know, do a yeah, so I think, I think, it, uh, I think it's a perfectly fine. What Hog uh, Lindsay Hogg had to do, uh, what he was dealing with, what he was supposed to do, how he's supposed to handle it, I think it's a good piece. Of, I mean, it's not, it's not the, you know, it's not the end all be all of all musical documentaries, but it's certainly fine as it is. I think what's always interesting about it is it, it you recorded what is a pretty seminal moment in Beatles history and therefore pop history, and when you watch it. Um, the songs carry you through more than the drama. Right. Office. So I, I'm thinking all these people that are, are complaining about this film where I can't get through, get back. Well, uh, the, they need to put Let It Be out then and just give it to them. Well, and this gets to my point. I was, every little problem I had with Get Back went away when I rewatched Let It Be. Because I was like, oh, this is what they were. Because, I mean, Let It Be doesn't even have George leaving the band or mentioning it. 
because the original cut supposedly is like an hour longer and that's one of the things Lindsay Hogg had to cut out the band was just like oh we don't need that yeah So, what did you say, Aaron? What, what, well, the obvious highlight of Let It Be uh, is in Get Back, and it's one of the few things that he chose to use from the original film, the, and that's the rooftop concert. Right. So, basically, you know, Let It Be is an hour and 20 minutes. This is almost eight hours. <laughs> so, you, you don't get much of the same, but, you know, I, I don't know, and maybe you do. I didn't read any um, reviews that went over what was in both films other than obviously the stuff that's in I, the rooftop I, I, concert. I kept, I kept a little bit of a tab of it. There was little things like I didn't, uh, um, Linda McCartney's daughter, mm-hmm. like the, you know, that thing that's in the trailer yeah, of yeah. Uh, ring, uh, her, her hitting the drum and like waking Ringo up and giggling at that. Little things like that. I'm like, Oh wait, that's in both movies. We had a friend on Facebook, uh, a great musician, uh, Aaron Disler talk about like one of, he was like, one of the reasons Octopus's I love Garden. That's beautiful. Yeah. He's like uh, Octopus. Uh, uh, George helping out Ringo with Octopus Garden and trying to feel like, oh no, you want to change these chords so it resolves. That's in Let It Be. Mm-hmm. It's it, but it. What I've always wanted for the the other issue with Get Back versus Let It Be is that I've always wanted a restored version of Let It Be. Like I want an audio cleared version. I want something with subtitles because half the time I've watched this movie three times and I still barely can tell. Like I, I listen. If I, I, after reading a book, knowing what's coming in, I know like, oh yeah, well, John Lennon's like mad at uh, Paul McCartney when he's telling him to get into the mic a little more. But but I tell you what, I I had to due to my circumstances of watching Get Back, I had to I had to have close captioning on. Uh huh. And so I watched all three parts. Well, the audio in Get Back is so clean. Uh, but I know, true. And I if I had if I if I had my own way, uh, I don't I don't have the subscription to. I had to go to another my. Uh, sister's place. If I had a, I would have probably watched it without the captioning at the first run through, but I had the caption on because there was a lot of, you know, background noise on going oh, on. Oh, I oh, only I'm watched sorry, it with the captions on. I I thought that was a, a real nice addition. Well, I, mean, I, I I wouldn't necessarily watch everything with captions on, but I thought this worked very well. Well, I know. I, I, well, I'm you know I'm 63 years old. And most <laughs> of my friends are starting to watch everything with captions on now. Everything, it, well, no matter what it is, um, but. Um, I thought it was. Uh, I was going to say is that uh, in, in regards to let it be uh, cap, with cap, closed captioning, like uh, it says about how you want to, you always want a copy of let it be with. Uh, well, I want the captioning. I want the elements restored. Oh, like oh. I want I want them to go to a. a, a, a I want to see green on it. But even with the captioning on, or get back, and how clear the audio was, the four of them have their own Beatles speak. That at times I it was like, what did they what? You know how they are phrasing and the words. You pick and... up. You pick up more every time. Like uh, after reading the, those first few chapters of uh, Tune In, I've I, I picked up Skiffle and heard him say uh, uh, George say, "Oh, this has kind of got a Skiffle vibe to it." Right. You'd heard the word before. You had never heard before Not the book. Really? Oh, really? Oh. Um. <laughs> that, um. Anyway, I mean, I, well, you're talking to a Beatle. I, you know, I was a 
the well, quarrymen were a skiffle band. Yeah, they were skiffle. Yeah, John's band was a skiffle. Do, band. do we want to get into this? Where like I feel like no, I'm, we I'm, don't. I'm, I, I thought we were going to try and keep it more yeah, about the film. Because... No, 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 not the skiffle part. There's okay. a vibe I've gotten. I'm wanting to hear you guys talk as Beatle experts, but there's a thing where I don't want there. In the past, I've had trouble talking Beatles with you because I don't feel like my you you guys make it clear my bona fides do not match up. Well, it's it's a, it's a matter of age and plus a different interest and and plus the fact. But uh, I do know a lot about the Beatles. I, I, know. I am and, into the Beatles a lot, well, that, and yet it's more like. But I was like a really freaky at one time. But and, you're really into the Beatles. I, but no, I've kind of slacked off over the last twenty years or so. It's a Lewis on book, of course, got me really excited to get one. That, that speaking of that, well, book. What, what news been there? Love and the the remixes. Well, there's always the remixes are amazing. I, I don't mean to be dismissing them. It's 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 there's constant Beatles stuff every year. I mean, it's never ending. I, you know, another friend of ours uh, says, you know, what more can they say? But then obviously when you see get back, you go, there's more to be said, you know. I also spent a lot of time with bootlegs. There's alternate versions of every record, of every album, and in demos. And of course, that's what they've done with the Escher demos, came out with the White Album. All that stuff was available. So, you know, there was still stuff. And of course, you know, there's a pretty famous, um, it's called AB Road, and it's all, I think it's 93 of the 150 hours that they recorded on the Niagara Reels, and that's Jeez. that's available. I spent some time with that. Uh, so, I mean, there was there was stuff available, even if you'd had all the albums and you'd listened to all the albums, seen all the films, there's still stuff available. Dad, you know you were asking earlier about how one big way I got into the Beatles was uh, Radiohead was the big uh, band for me in high school, and the template of trying to make uh, be the biggest band in the world, both commercially and artistically. I always knew the Beatles was there was a model for them. So like Radiohead, I've listened to all the OK Mini 17 hours of the OK Mini disc thing, stuff like that. Yeah. Beatles, I've gone a little into, but not that far. I, I've, 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 I've listened to like alternate takes of a lot of different stuff. I've gone through obviously the anthologies multiple times, but but you, you, did you watch the anthology when it was out? No, I watched it much later. Oh, that's why. Well, see, no, no, no. That's, it, why, that's why it, I'm surprised it, you didn't know what Skiffle was. Cause it, it was on there, but I saw it later. I just don't remember the term, Ted. Okay, okay. I'm just, you know, that's why, you, you, and I know you and you get frustrated because I rolled my eyes and I, and I, and I come up. Yeah, like, well, Mr. You, you get kicked off the co- the podcast because you don't know what Skiffle is. No, no, no. Well, I honestly, though, that's the reason that I started off with what your relationship was with the band because I feel like, you know, if, if they had said, uh, you know, Peter Jackson got all 55 hours of video footage that they filmed for Let It Be, and he had just randomly put any seven hours out, I was probably going to enjoy I it. I think both of you would be related. Yeah, exactly. Ones. I think yeah. there's so, a lot of people. This is also a discrepancy where uh, if you're listening to this and not as huge Beatle fan, like this seems like something people have been talking about where like one, one comment I got from a friend was like, uh, oh, I just wish there was a shorter, more edited version of this. And I was like, oh, what would you think of an hour, 20 minute version of this? Well, yeah. but honestly, that one, uh, and and obviously you didn't watch it recently, but you, I'm sure you've at this point probably it. seen it's it more than I have. Do you think it keeps you at arm's length? Whereas, oh, yeah. Get uh, and, back and, and oh, the thing that drags you into it. The frustrating thing to me was that uh, all the whitewashing issues I was worried about get back, like chronology is is out the window and let it be. And also, like, uh, they moved to the studio with no uh, uh, the Abbey or the Apple Studio with like no 
mention Savile Row, I guess it is. No real explanation. It's just there. And Jackson kind of sets that up because the first day in, George is t- complaining about the acoustics. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you get the oh, impression yeah. that they're moving out of there. It's oh, just even temporary. Just an introduction to Billy Preston. Like, yeah, in, like, nice. in, in understanding that, like, oh, yeah, that made things a lot easier. And it's a, you know, for a while they had a fifth Beatle. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's really baffling. I can understand casual beat-up fans or casual music documentary fans going, this is way too much. This is too, I can't. I how can't. many versions of yeah. Get Back can you hear? Yeah, how the different versions. And, but I, what I, what's baffling me is the people, some of the people that I know bailing out on it. And I'm like, really? Okay, I mean, I mean wow. I mean, I, well, you, know, I, you know, like Aaron said, I could almost just give me the whole raw footage and I'll watch the whole all, all 160 hours or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, it, I think Disney plus putting, well, first off Disney being the one to put it out is one of those reasons to be scared of the whitewashing, but, um, um, putting it out over Thanksgiving, um, over the three days meant that it felt like it was supposed to be on the background for families in a holiday. Yeah. And like, and it was at our house. Yeah. It's at my yeah. sister's house. <laughs> my rewatching of it has been on the background. I would, it's, it's, it's fun to have it and just come going in and out of details. Like, I mean, I have my, I, just to make sure, I, there's certain sequences I've rewatched a few times, but. Do, were you picking and choosing or just putting on? Picking and choosing. So. Like, I, I wanted to see how, how they cut together uh, when George left, because apparently what it was, was one of my favorite sequences in the whole thing is the, um, the pot conversation with <sighs> Lennon. I, I felt a little, uh, I got a little. I feel like I get a little uneasy with that sequence. That is years in the making. I'm surprised that that's never leaked before. Because because a lot of what they said is that there was a lot of Jackson's work was uh, using a lot of digital technology has gotten good about like separating elements. You've seen the stuff online where you can separate vocals and songs or take vocals out of songs. Well, that's what he said because he was on a uh, documentary on the Fab Four channel on Sirius XM. And he said that the one thing that they felt like, and obviously with video, he had done that with, yeah. they would never grow old, yeah. but that audio uh, breakthrough was the thing that they thought that was important about what they had done with this, where they could break apart. If John was talking over Paul, like you and I just were, he could take those two and make separate tracks of them. The George breakup was in that, the tea kettle uh, microphone, but the audio was too bad to do anything with it. And obviously they cold together the footage. There's like a, the one shot they have, it's a very bizarre slow motion frame extended shot. Uh, that sequence comes up, but that's a secret. One of the secrets I wanted to watch multiple times, or I wanted to watch just the, some of the reviews I did see seem to be universal. Everyone's like the last forty minutes, the rooftop is in it. And rewatching Let It Be today it is significantly better than Let It Be's version of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it, even though it's full, it's complete, you still the, get a better sense of what's happening on the ground. The stuff, the, even still, the intercutting but, with the cops is fun. But I almost still would want another version. Oh, gosh, this, this is I we want Beatle fans want more. Uh, I almost uh, you knew that was inevitable. Well, I, well, just a, you know, a rooftop sequence was just concentrating on the band, which is what a B movie does pretty much. Whereas, with with limited uh, songs, though. Yeah, with limited songs. So I like to have a version where it just concentrates on the band. I love the split screen. I love the Bobby, Bobby's talking. And I love all that stuff and Mal walking up and down and everything going on. That was great, and the other uh, reactions on the street was great. You know, I love that. The split and, screens in particular are yeah. just a like the, the separate angles. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and so refreshing too. Uh, another reason I'd like to have just like kind of a full screen concentrating on the band is you know today's editing on music videos and, and performances, the camera's just got to do giant you know gymnastics and flip around and the quick edits and you don't get to see. You just, well, they they you know. do that real briefly after George leaves. They have a sequence that they cut that way. They really said they briefly. had ten cameras, three on the ground. Uh, five on the rooftop, one on the building across the the way. Yeah. But each camera's only got sixteen minutes of footage, right. so you are going to have to cut. You you're not going to have one shot. No, 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 shot no. Yeah, the cover a constant cover shot like you could do now. No, you're talking about now. Are you talking about there? Uh, wait, that's one thing I want to talk about. Um, the build up before George leaves. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about the editing there? No, it's after he leaves. There is a uh, when they have the freak out with uh, the the. Uh, they all come back like nothing's happened and Yoko Ono starts doing the screaming and jamming with them. Mm-hmm. There's a, there, when she's in the screaming, there's a, there's a few, there's like a, the a, close see, captioning says wailing. Um, in the book uh, that I mentioned that I read in college, they were somehow like a lot of the stuff in the doc, like he had access to, I don't know if he watched all the footage or what, but uh He's any he, he recurrent to a lot of Beatles stuff. He was dismissive of Yoko Ono, but he was talk, ma- really angry at her for jamming with them, and then like or yelling at John and and ugh, they seem to be having a good time. Paul yeah. on the drums is amazing. Yes. I really love those sequences. George is a good drummer too. Yeah, yeah. And Paul, John's Paul, not a terrible. Paul's back in the USSR. Paul's a great drummer. Yeah. Well, I think that that was always the claim when John said uh, is. Uh, Ringo, the best drummer in the world, and he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Oh, right. I think he was talking about Paul. Well, it's always been a given. A, we talked about how you know across the board, Paul can, is, is is he's an expert in everything. He's just much better almost on every instrument. And the has. thing, the thing with Paul or Ringo being best is, I can't. Remember, I went down a YouTube hole watching his drumming, and half of him being left-handed and forced to play right-handed, like his fills are like half his sweep on a hi-hat sounds in, uh, uh, distinct but his fills because he has to still inadvertently lead with his left even he's supposed to lead with his right like his fills are amazing sounding too and distinct they're so distinct yeah uh, i mean obviously he's incredible but you know obviously you see in the in those sequences paul is an incredible drummer and that doesn't necessarily come across because he doesn't really get and even in those solo albums and of course we're getting away from the film here but you know he plays all of his own instruments and it's real shaggy like it doesn't sound as if you know he's he's putting his full like beetle paul into it and and maybe he isn't maybe he doesn't want to have that beetle sheen to it the thing in watching him them rehearse coming up like everyone seems to be amazed at watching get back come together the main get back riff come together like it just comes out of his head oh my gosh yeah that, that is, is that okay. is and he wrote that on the bass, which he's just standing you know, there going, and, just, I mean, and then I'm just like, and to take it, I, I, that is just, uh, you know, the, you're so speechless right now. I know it's 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 like the heavenly the, the heavens opened up and just warm, you know, came came down on these. You, guys. you were, I was reading the well, book you and never talked. Moment of inspiration. Yeah, and I look kind of like and don't look back. And I love how he takes he, he's going with the, uh, this protest angle. And then and and Peter, thank thank you Peter for uh, Jackson for contextualizing it for us with clips and stuff, mm-hmm. news clips and stuff. So, he, but I love it. He takes it the song this route, and then he pulls it back to more of abstract and makes the volume even better by going abstract and, and taking out the the protest details. When they in the book in this uh, book I read in college, they were t- showing the uh, copy that they put out whenever they finally put the single out, and they realized this is a good number one single. 
and Paul like kind of oversaw and maybe wrote some of the copy they did, but even mentions like, oh, it came out of my head really formed. <laughs> All the way from the beginning, I think Malcolm Gladwell came up with his 10,000 hours. One of his sources is Lennon McCartney playing so many hours together. And yet they are constantly fixating on friends being fun and being loose. And like, like they're always playing with each other when they're playing. Like when I mean playing, I mean like doing like a dip. Yes. Gaggy. Yeah. You TV on the radio, but you're doing like a Lennon. I loved like, when they were doing that, where they were singing through their teeth at yeah. each other. Yeah. Or they're just constantly doing impressions when they do a different version. But they were clearly locked in on each other mm-hmm. while they were recording. And I, I mean, they were, they were so obviously as, still as, close. As perfectionist as they can be, they're always playing, make, trying to make the songs as playful as possible. Well, and I, I, did you read that article, the Variety article, uh, or I think it's a video too, of Peter Jackson talking about, you know, we, we got the impression, we've had the impression over the last 30 or 40 years that Paul and Ringo have had bad memories of it. And it's like, you guys are thinking, you saw the movie in the midst of your breakup and everything was going to crap. And, in, in life in general. In was life. Not- but when you were doing this in '69, you know, yeah, things were, you know, they were they were wonk, they were they were wavering, but nothing. You still were a unit and still working together, and still, you know, and of course George walked out, but Ringo walked out during the White Album session. Yeah, this which they not, they, they bring it's not up. a precedent for that. Well, one of the cool things I was reading in, the, in this book was talking about. It seems like got to be one of the biggest issues of the of very practical desolation of the Beatles issues is. It's in Get Back is the sequence where the song publisher comes in and they're all <laughs> Dick friendly. Dick with James. Him. Yeah, Dick James. And uh, and like him you working or trying to usurp power. Like just months after this. Just months after this is when he tries to sell out and then and Linda McCartney loses control over the ownership of their stuff and, and that's gotta be a riff. And they, they keep detailing like they always saw each other's in like boardrooms with businessmen for a few months after this. Yeah, that, and John talking about Alan Klein. That was, that that, was a, see those. Well, those are little. We're seeing deep. that in hindsight. Yeah, in hindsight. At the time, yeah. he was yeah, excited. But no, isn't that isn't that a point? Jackson put that in those. Those are little details. Glenn Jones oh, yeah. was telling him. Yeah. he's a shady character. And yeah. Okay. We so, all know what happens, but at the time, I was like, "This, listen. He obviously. I don't know what relationship Glenn Johns had with him, but clearly, he had kind of seen through the veneer. I know, you mentioned Linda. I thought it was here's just, here's just a little Beetle Gooby things that I, you know, that excited me throughout the whole thing. You see her uh, poking on a piano, and you th- and then you think you instantly think of her being in Wings, you know, oh. the, the foreshadowing of Wings, and just little things like that would just. And then lo- I loved. Jared, were you cracking up the Jimmy Nichols jokes? Yeah, I, I just and they would they would use him for a, a bunch of, uh, as a good as a good one liner. It was uh, beautiful though. Paul a lot of times would just whoever showed up in the studio they and uh, like what was Peter Sellers doing? That was such Peter a Sellers odd... is in Let It Be. I was surprised he's actually in there. Right, be. but that seems odd. Like I think he, he shows just, up. Yeah, but I think he was in Magic Well, he's in Christian. He's in Christian. The whole yeah. time. Well, Peter, yeah, well, I could, you know, and plus he's competing with, uh, he's an egomaniac, and, and the Beatles are big egos. And so there's a, there's kind of a, you know, I, I don't think Peter wanted to show his cards. Uh, on camera uh, with the camera and try, and who would be up, who would up each other, you know? You know what's also funny is, um, all right. Uh, the, the other biggish question I was going to lead to you guys is um, uh, wa- reading people's reactions. Like it feels like it relitigates everyone's feelings of the band in general, where everyone had to pick a favorite Beatle, and then like 
reading who was feeling what at any given time, who was the asshole, who was the instigator, who was the victim. All this stuff is debated all over again. And uh, it just feels like that sequence with Peter Sellers in particular is the only time in the movie there's a joke about heroin. And John Lennon, to me, I, I some people, I just thought John Lennon was was very stoned throughout the whole the whole thing. Well, we we I think we know that we know that he was uh, very passive. We've read it over the books and stuff. But I mean, yeah, and John's John's already taken the lead on comedy there with Peter there. So I don't know if Peter wants to compete with him. But you got to understand, of course, to Peter, that's one of their heroes. Because they grew up on the Goon Show, on the yeah, radio Goon Show, or, and that. then of course the, the and then the reason they got Richard Lester because I had to bring up Richard Lester. And I, I, I don't shake your head, don't do that because this is legit. TV on the radio, I'm shaking my head, and I'm still shaking my head. He <laughs> had to bring up Richard Lester here. because the it's the Beatles because of, of the they would they they didn't want to do another Elvis Presley type film. They wanted to just and Lester had to direct the Goon Show as Peter Sellers on the TV. Uh, so you've uh, never brought this up on the podcast before, Ted. <laughs> So anyway, uh, there was, uh, that was uh, the uh, Peter, so and they, they were going to shoot Magic Christian here in a few weeks. Second Terry Southern movie that Ringo was in. Uh, Candy was one, right? Yeah, he's in Candy too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I so. didn't get the impression Lennon was that stoned. I mean, he was late every day, but he I didn't. He was late. Um, I think it's just that when you think of McCartney Lennon at this, at this point of being uh, co- because the whole central the other the other paradigm here is that uh they're the songwriting duos they're the ones the the older ones that have been like and um george harrison's trying george harrison is coming from the previous thanksgiving he spent in woodstock with the band and bob dylan and he got treated as an equal he comes back and uh it's just he feels like he's being discarded and that's a big issue and that's why he leaves and that's why he's so angry just because he's trying to figure out how to and it was in every so many people point out this is fallout from the white album sessions where but it, it the movie feels like mccartney's to me it felt like mccartney was the one that was rejecting it and then most books were read say that lennon was the one that was rejecting harrison's songwriting contributions i think it, it comes in it, they, these guys are brothers they're close they went through a hurricane, a huge hurricane for years together, and there's times where they're they're slogging on each other, uh, but and other times they're just buddy buddy. It's just like friends friends that you have that you have ups and downs with. I think that's just it comes down to that. I think uh, that's true. Yes, but that doesn't excuse the fact that they don't use his best songs. I mean they they talk about how. All oh, things must yeah. pass is in the play in, in the list from to make the album, and then they don't use no, I'm not, it. I'm, yeah, I'm not talking about. Yeah. So I mean, they don't no. understand. They don't mention. They don't get him. One thing that bugs me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just disagreeing when you when you said something about and John. John is John would later say, "Oh, you didn't have that goodness." Other that, I mean, I think it was just like you, you, what particular day you're interviewing John, you're going to get a different answer sometimes, and not being consistent with the love because you look at the talk when they talk about George. You know, there's obviously. You know, there's a lot of... Well, he's younger, well, too. Well, the end, end of... 25 years old. They're 28 at the time. He's... Well, I think Paul's 27 or 28. Ringo's 27, 28. George's is 25. And so he's Man, the little brother. Young. One thing, the, the, at the end of episode one, they play Isn't It a Pity? And uh, whenever he quit the band, he went home and wrote Wawa, like, that night. Yeah. Like, just... Well, he wrote... Um, I, that was actually... Have you ever heard of that science fiction show on British TV that George had watched? So we talked about watching this science fiction show, yeah. and then there was a 
dance, like a dance yeah, hall. Uh, yeah. And that was in Walt's time. And right. that's why he wrote I, I'm Ivy Mine. Yeah. I'm Ivy Mine in Walt's time. Well, I want to, what about, uh, I want to go back to when George quitting. I wanted to see if, if I, was I being, uh, uh, I, did, I thought I saw this. And I want to see if you guys thought so too. Was I think Peter did some editorializing there? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, because to- well, they didn't. They, that's what I was saying earlier with the stuff in the in the um, the recording and the like. T they didn't get it on film. Mm-hmm. He they had to call that together and fake that around. Well, right before George walks out, and it almost happens without you going, "What?" You know, it, it is it's so subtle and so quick and and so low key. You know, it's not. You know, there was no. There's no uh, George. Uh, you know, I, I guess there's not. A, you know, George goes, "Hey guys, I'm going to quit." He just says, I'm, I'm, I'll know. be leaving then. Yeah. This I guess real... I'll be leaving what? then. The band. The band. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, go get some lunch or see the, oh, see the clubs. See you around the clubs. The clubs. But uh, Peter is editing a bunch of footage of John and George, John and Paul working really close together, uh, editing a fast, uh, uh, and then he, and he'll stick a shot of George watching them. And they go back to them really working, working, working. And George, and I'm thinking, oh, he's, and he's edit- helping us under, he's trying to, He's putting his take on what he. Uh, we used to, one of the movies I worked on. We called it coolest shopping, where it's a face technique where uh, you can do anything with editing. Where you put uh, a man with a blank face and you put a baby next to the next shot. Then you think the man's carrying. You put an apple next to him. They think they're hungry. So coolest shopping is like stealing a shot from somewhere else to make it. Well, I don't know if he, he sort of. I don't think he for that he stole it from far away. He just he sped it up and then and then and then focused on it. To give us that, to give us maybe what George was going through, because when George quits, it's so subtle. You're if they did, if Paul, if Peter hadn't edited it that way, we probably would have gone, huh? But I think I think he helps us to think what George going through George's mind. Now, is that fair for Peter to do that or not? I, you know, it's I, I one that that's all over the dock. That's all over the dock. Maybe not as stylish as as that key of a moment. That's very. That's one that stuck out to that, me. That stands out, but yeah. that's all over the dock. However, no, me, especially going back to Let It Be, I think I was I was thinking that Get Back changed the chronology on a lot of stuff. But going back, no, it's great on chronology. So I think that it's interesting too because I think uh, near the some of the last days in the studio talking about editing, he cut you obviously he cut back to the he cuts back to the day before. You tell by the clothes they're wearing, or Heather being there, but I thought there was like a fog around those edits. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, there totally so was. There totally was. Purposely, yeah, saying, he's definitely making hey, a flashback. Guys, yeah. I know I'm going back the day before, and this is I'm gonna let you well, know. Well, because that it's I, when they're listening to the session, uh, they're listening to what they played. Oh, they're, the they're recording. Listening? They're they're listening to what they recorded the day before. Okay. See, that's just why I, I'm gonna have to watch it again because I'm just there's just so much to take in and so much and, and beetle beetle the, the, the old beetle freaking me came out of me you know hmm. and i'm just going just like you know just going crazy over this stuff so i had a, a similar experience too where i felt like because um i had bought the re-released album and i still hadn't even opened it and then of course after i started watching that i was like i'd really need to dig this out because i want to remember how this sounds and obviously like shane pointed out the there's a lot of Phil Spector on there. So it doesn't sound like it does in the film, uh, but it's still, it's just a, a completely great album that they basically just, and, and you know, some of those songs have been around since India from 68 before the white album. Uh, but you know, several of those things they just came up with just right there in the studio. I listened to a lot of Abbey road this week too, on, on top of going back to, uh, 
um, let it be. But one of the things going just rereading the chronology, like um, they they meet in January. Um, the White Album just came out the November before. Like, it's still on the charts, I think, when they were meeting. I, I think. And like George is saying, oh, we've been in a doldrum for a year at some point there. It just blows my the the the, the cycle, the, like the pace, like that's the thing that like modern artists really can't like a modern band probably would have still um, stayed together just because they would have taken a year off. I think George was on to something, and I've I've actually said this to Ted a couple of times when we had this similar conversation. But at the end, when he's talking to John about putting together his own album, about how that would take some of the pressure off the group and everyone could do their own album. And I think that's what really could have saved the band is if every if John, because he had already made uh, Two Virgins with Yoko, uh, if George could do his solo album, uh, he does a compressed All Things Must Pass and then Paul does his own solo album. It's similar to what happens with the Stones when Mick makes his solo album. They realize that, you know, they work better together as a group. They can't really reach the heights individually as they could as a group. And that takes a lot of the pressure off them. And, of course, you know, the cycle, obviously, now is five years for an album. You know, you brought up the National. Uh, you, you know, it's generally between three and five years between albums for most big bands now. Yeah. And they were putting out an album every nine to 12 months. Well, the other thing I listened to uh, after this was the uh, on Spotify. I don't know if they followed the Richard Linklater playlist, but I listened to the Black album that was in Boyhood where... Um, I, I I don't know if Linklater originated. Was this before Linklater, the Black Album? I think so. Where you take all these songs from the '70s of them as individual artists and make a double album out of it. Yeah. And you really come to the feeling that um, their powers together were just so amazing. Yeah, and and of course the 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 one the one person one person in the group that's not getting their outlet is George, and his album is I think most people say I I think it's Lennon's. Uh, I think imagine but, Plastic Ono Band are some of my favorites. Plastic Ono Band all, all for me. I, he, all things must pass. But all yeah. things must pass is incredible. And yeah. Ted and I actually just talked about this recently. How I think it's a double album with a third <laughs> record kind of yeah. thrown in that no one ever listens to, but he claims to listen to it consistently. Like it's, well, when I was a kid, I did because I had a, I had a turntable that would uh, play the record. You know, after it plays one side, the the, the the second record on there would drop down, and then it would play the second record. You you stack your records on this needle. They would all play. I did that with the Bangladesh concert. I listened to all the Ravi Shankar stuff. Yeah, but that's listen. Oh, yeah, the Ravi Shankar stuff. The Ravi Shankar stuff's more listenable, I think, than that last disc of All Things Must Pass. I I do have to interject that, ironically and interesting, uh, I guess only to myself, maybe, but my two favorite Beatles songs are from this session uh, of all time. I mean, I know, uh, and that's, and people go, really? But uh, I got a feeling it's my favorite Beatles song. And really, and, and my number two song is uh, "Don't Let Me Down." And I know I can almost understand "Don't Let Me Down" the more I got a feeling. That's what, what can you? Well, the what the, is the, it, the, you know? the can you say? First of all, I just love the the riff there. You know the the Paul's riff on the, and I love John's sardonic. You know everybody had to put the foot down. Everybody that there. It is really then, cool how the fragments come together take, and you see this, and then you get to see Paul and John. You see how how Paul is musically. How John is musically, and you get to see him singing it together as a duo. Just to me, that just it just it, it just crystallizes them. One, uh, one so cool, perfectly. one cool thing to get back is you see this is two song fragments come together, and it's it's not even like the Mel, the Abbey Road medley where like 
yeah, they strung together some half-finished yeah. songs in a beautiful way. Those overlap over each other on right. our feeling. It's just wonder, and then you know, and then people, you know, if you think about it, "Don't Let Me Down," it's not. It's it's a very simplistic song in so in many ways, but yet it's just so powerful. Uh, you know, and that's you know that's the magic of music, of course. You know, and I just love that. And I've always been a big fan of two of us too. I always think about my uh, at the time one of my best friends and I how we would go off on hikes in the woods and and do things together. And you know, and then I always thought that was a really nice song. And then I always I think of John and Paul doing things together. You know, Smith, do you have a favorite? Well, it wouldn't be any of those songs, sure. But <laughs> well, I just well, I, I mean, they... I, I always say I bring it up because I, I I as much as let it be, you know, it's kind of. Uh, it's not as you know everybody everybody could talk about white album sergeant pepper and revolver and stuff like that but i i i funny enough those two songs have stayed at the top with me i mean, i did like how uh two of us um similar to get back it transitions from a different song they're originally playing and it's a standard four by four and then later they realize we need to do this acoustically and that's the take that they use and it that the, the evolution of two of us i think made it yeah. completely but i'd actually love to hear that finished version, if they have a full take of that first version that they're using, <laughs> yeah. same as the full band version of All Things Must Pass that they do in the first yeah. sequence. I was like, this is beautiful. I mean, I really think that if they'd finish that, if there's a finished take, somehow that would be kind of a holy grail for Beatles coming. Smith, I think you're also getting out of ma- naming your favorite Beatles song. Oh, no. I'm a Lennon guy, so you probably Rain, something like that. Okay. Um, Strawberry Fields. Rain was a uh, um, paper... Uh, the reason they had a connection with Lindsey Hogg was he did the promotional films for Paperback Writer, Rain, Hey Jude, and Revolution. But Hey Jude was... TV work made the most sense there, but... So Shane, was he, was he or was he not the son of Orson Welles? <laughs> You brought that up. I didn't have to bring that up. That's so much. So supposedly, there's a thing with the lineage that he might. His mother hinted that he he might be the son of Orson Welles, and he mentions Orson Welles and get back. Yeah, no, Orson goes up. Elvis Peter Jackson bringing Peter Jackson goofy. knows what he's doing by yeah. Peter, that I mean, he's all you know. And then um, yeah, and then I, I and I was surprised. It was nice to see Patty showed up briefly. Uh, of course, more I knew Maureen. You know, so she you see Maureen in the Let It Be movie. Um, but yeah, and it, did you notice? You know, I, I I've always defended Yoko. I know every, I've I've been I I grew up and everybody you know, you know just just like oh da, 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 about and, and 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 I was like no look John could here's my here was my take at a very young age I was I'm such an old mature guy back then uh, I'm, I'm much younger than that now uh, but, <laughs> uh, he I I always thought if John could have any woman in the world he could be you know he could he could have done you know whatever he wanted to do and he chose Yoko and he stayed with her. So I, that is, I have had a very similar thing where you're just like, you uh, learn to love Yoko because John Lennon loves Yoko. Yeah. But that said, <laughs> after eight, after, after watching this, you know, multi-part thing and seeing her, you know, attached at the, you know, the side to him and you see, you see Linda comes in, she sits to the side. 
You know, Marines, they all, they all. Oh, nice. so she knows Isn't their that place. John Lennon? Is that what you're saying, Tim? Oh, oh gosh. Sorry. Is, no, yeah. I was, that was unfair. Yeah, well, is, well Her- George Harrison's uh, Hare Krishnas are also sitting. Yeah, they're sitting there. off to the side. It's like you, they, they're, they're working, Aaron. Would you, can you, no, I get you, what you're saying. Can your wife, would no, you wish your I wife understand. Next to you the whole time at show Isn't that, is, didn't here's John the Lennon, problem. John Lennon asked for that to happen. He's no, been having since the White Album. They are, so you said my favorite John, my, not John Lennon, my favorite Beatles song is Don't Let Me Down. The reason. Second one, second one. Okay. The reason that's so good it's it's written for yoko oh no I i'm in love that. for the first time yeah, that's yeah. about yoko so i mean that's what he's feeling right then that's important to him i know i totally and get it i totally McCartney get to it say you know are people going to say Be that the beatles broke up because yoko sat on an amp yeah but they do you, you people no, do no, say no. that people really get upset about it and i it, it tested me this time watching it <laughs> it tested my 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 i always was i tested my defense of yoko i just you know i but i I just thought, you know, Yoko's a very... One really key thing that I think historically that I think is not contextually brought up a lot that I was reading, Yoko Ono was like three months out from a miscarriage too. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good that's a good. Point. I, it doesn't answer your point about why she. On well, stage you know, no, I, you know, it's it's a it's it's such a touchy subject with any any Beatle fan you talk to. I just thought it was really it was interesting to see eight hours of it. I guess she this uh, Yoga uh, Ono is kind of a fascinating figure just because some a friend was telling me about this. She's a convergence of all these like uh, uh, misogynist tropes, uh, anti Asian tropes, all the like things of like. Uh, was she a conniving artist at the time? She was married during the middle of this, trying to get out of her marriage. Like all these convergence of reasons for people to like when she no real like didn't deserve them. No, I you know I Undeserved. never all those tropes you just mentioned. They really never factored into my thinking. Of well, it's her. always the subtle way. But yeah, like it's it's true. It, but when I did see, I just thought it was interesting that you know, like you said, the Hare Krishnas were sitting to the side. Uh, Linda comes and sits to the side. Everybody sitting to the side. And I'm just, you know, I just, you would think that at some point with John and Yoko being who they are and how smart they are, and are uh, uh, that they would go, well, maybe we, you know, maybe, maybe this is a little bit too much or something. But I, I think you know. John, John in particular seems like he's using Yoko Ono to uh, be his uh, bridge. Yeah, because I mean, when they go to George's house at the end of part one, who do, who does all the speaking for John? It's Yoko Ono. Yeah. And it's probably a John Lennon's best. I did notice that the, the thank yous, you know, usually they, they the, the the widows or the uh, they they were executive producers. I thought it's I thought it was Sean was now and doing he's now in charge because uh, of Yoko maybe uh, getting to the point of you know not being as involved as they were. Hmm. I thought I saw well list, she was an executive producer. On I saw show. a listing where it was like they were consulting Sean and not Yoko. She was, I think it was the last episode because I was watching that one because that's when they went back to the studio and, and like chronologically got the last take of two of us and the let it be take. But when they had the credits over that, then the title card comes up and it's uh, Olivia know, and well, it, it, it's, it's yeah. Paul and Ringo and then the next title card are the widows. I don't think that the other Beatles seem to be nearly as bothered by it as Beatles fans are because yeah. Paul seemed to be having a great time. Obviously, when they the three of them played together, they jammed together at two different, and of course, maybe they seem like they're having fun in the jam. That's Jackson editorializing. I don't know, but it seemed like the expression Paul's on your having face, a great you can't time. Fake that editorial. Yeah, no. Well, I, I, it's seemed, really hard and to. you never hear George having any complaint. You hey, never yeah. hear Ringo having any complaint. Aaron, I, remember that? Well, there's one point where uh, I thought it was really nice. Yoko actually, when George started by his solo album, 
Yoko goes, you hear Yoko going, that would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. You know, really encouraging, you know, so. Yeah, I, I don't think their impression of it is, is similar to Beatles fans. And, you know, when you say Beatles fans, that includes us. But, I mean, I don't think that I was ever that way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's just funny how, but anyway. I mean, you can blame, well, like I said, I can blame a lot of things. But obviously, Shane hit upon it. I think you're just asking too much of any four people to be that close and to put out this much product in a 10-year span. It's just going to burn anybody out. And, it, you know, it, it it's impossible. Well, it's funny. Yoko Ono has become the archetype of someone that uh, is maybe unfairly blamed for ruining a good thing. That was probably going to go bad. And it, yeah. it inevitably had to go bad after a certain point. I, always, but, I guess, you know, the fact that I, I always tend to be a romantic, believe in soul partners and, and true love, that I always thought, well, you know, if John says this is a woman, this is the woman, you know. Enough said. <laughs> Absolutely. So... I think that's true. Um, I but, one, uh, one one last big last point I want to make, uh, and we can ref, we can keep going off that. But one big last point I want to make is um, all the whitewashing I was worried about. I do think there was a lot of Peter Jackson. Probably it felt like he did get a little uh, some level of revisionism from uh, Paul and maybe Ringo, but it's more. I mean, this thing. This Good Back was released uh, we're, we just to, yesterday was the 20 year anniversary of George Harrison's death. So it's more of an old man remembering his best friends from his youth and or these men remembering their best friends from their youth and it's more fondly and fun. So if there's revisionism it's more trying to bring out the fun they had together. Yeah, and also I, I, that Peter Jackson article in Variety where he said something about the fact that you get to see them how they work through it and how they uh, working with things going wrong. If everything had been too copacetic and they were just doodle-doo-doo making a, an album, you know, what would the story be? What would the dramatics be? And the fact that we have that here, we see this band of brothers, this, and, you know, these genius level, uh, the four of them together, just to see them, you know, doing this daily grunge every day, going in and working at it and to see the magic come out of it. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, that that to capture that and you know where else do we have that captured? Hardly, it's very rare. Uh, I think we're very lucky. I think. Where does this rank on your um, for both of you? Where does this rank on rock documentaries now? Get back. Ooh. Or where does Let It Be rank on them? It's probably not that high. No, oh, I actually I think I loved Let It Be. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. It's interesting to see some of the reactions now coming out of the woodwork from you on Let It Be. I didn't. I didn't. I never thought it had. Amongst Beatle fans, I never thought we had it. We just we just wanted a copy. Of it. We just wanted a good copy of it. Well, that you that know? is that is an issue. Yeah. Um. But no. So with that, where's Get Back Now? I don't think it's. I think I prefer Scorsese's No Direction Home. Um, and probably even Rolling Thunder as well. Um, I mean, it it could be top ten, maybe. I think it'd be easily top ten. It's almost it's almost its own weird thing. I mean, you know, uh, it's just so. Uh, huge and and monumental in its own weird way, and it's and, and the structure, the uniqueness of it, and the fact that Peter was able to get it. I love, I love the the calendar, the the yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, yeah, spelling that out for us and keeping us on track. Uh, I suppose you know, uh, like as as opposed to let it be, where you're kind of like, where are we are now, or what's you really on? don't know where you're yeah. at. And let it be, and so that was you know, so I think he just, I mean. 
I I was kind of getting a little no I take that back because I, I the World War One movie was just fantastic too so I think Peter you know kudos to him that he was able to wrangle this thing down and get and do what he did it's so uh, a monumental but yeah I I think in terms of the No Direction Home and and that only goes from from his childhood to sixty six that's the amazing thing that I, I could watch that thing all the time but it's much more digestible I, I think with the let it be like you said you're either going to have it in the background or you're going to be sitting there and studying it because it's so there's so much to uh you mean with get back yeah with get back there's so much to take you know to really examine whereas uh i just get so much joy seeing the world react to bob's uh, uh, ascending uh into the pop culture world um and then rolling thunder we we should do a podcast on that because of how, how, how divisive that is you two can do a podcast <laughs> on that well where do you stand on it as far as just like I music like documentaries i really like what ted said I, I i think it is its own beast because it is so you wouldn't it's unwieldy try and categorize it with i mean your documentary music documentary because you're obviously you guys talking, want, talking about the dylan stuff like me and if I, you guys want to go visit back to my episode with grant g it's meeting people is easy with radiohead oh, yeah, i think yeah, that's, that's just such a stylistically inventive one of the most beautifully edited that's showing your age your era too somewhat it's, it's no great, that's showing you've never seen that doc and you don't <laughs> you, you think so you think, oh, yeah yeah think it'll uh yeah pull I, out everything else I'm surprised, Ted, that you haven't gotten into radio. Yet. No, I, I have. I haven't. Have and, not. You, and you're so backhanded about it. So. Because at this point, they're classic rock. Yeah. Honestly. They are, they are dad <laughs> rock crazy. now. They are dad rock. No. So you're showing your... We're all showing our age. <laughs> so. My favorite band is also an old band. <laughs> it, it used to not be an old band. Uh, what's the quote? Uh, I used to I be, used with, to be it. with it, but they changed what it was. <laughs> And now and what it is is weird and scary. So the kids and it'll to happen to you. What are the kids listening to these days, guys? Uh, Waiting for the um, um, the Billie Eilish's 40th anniversary of uh, uh, Doc. Yeah, I got that new Billie Eilish record. It's really good. I mean, I like she's pretty too. great. I, I, I watched her Doc on Disney+. Plus. I like Maggie Adele? Rogers. Do you guys like know Maggie Adele. Rogers? Uh, there's the, uh, this, this seems as good a time as any to won't cut this off. So... Um, Oh, but I, I I will mention. Um, oh no! In, in a, a uh, another weird, just fun synchronicity things and things that happen in life. So I go in the third night of uh, watching the documentary at sister's place. She has on HBO the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame deduction, and both Paul is on there introducing the Foo Fighters and mm-hmm. how they they kind of had a little parallel evolution. Uh, and then Ringo's on there. I guess who he's inducting. Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's kind of nice. Like, oh, that's yeah. I like to have one of those little weird things happen in life when those things have kind of sync up. All right. I'm, so I'm, I'm glitching the matrix. <laughs> I'm seriously calling this. Thanks everybody for listening, Smith. Thanks for being well, on. Shane, I just hope we pass the audition. You always have the best last lines, Dad. Yeah, you just think the, you just plan these out and just like sneak them in as he has it. that written on a legal pad over there. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening.